Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I am your host, Brian Ardinger, and as always, we have another amazing guest. Today, we have Taylor Ryan. Taylor is the CMO at Valuer, and he's also coming to us from Copenhagen. Taylor, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Talking about your five, six, seven hours in the future on a Monday day here. Things are going well there? Yeah, I just hopped out of my DeLorean. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. I originally grew up on the East Coast, just outside of Washington, D.C., and when it gets to be kind of that hot, sticky summertime, you go from your air-conditioned apartment or house into an air-conditioned car into an air-conditioned office. They don't do that out here. So I'm on the <laughs> top floor of a very sweltery summer day in our HQ building, and I miss air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick things off here. For those of you who may not know Taylor, you're a six-time co-founder you're like what I often talk about is these folks that have portfolio careers, it seems, people that have a lot of slashes. So you're a writer slash growth hacker slash mentor slash startup junkie. Why don't we talk a little bit about how you got onto the path of being an innovator in many different ways? Sure. It's one of those things that I think often it's circumstances mixed with kind of a personality and sometimes personality flaws. I graduated the height of the economic recession, which meant basically there weren't a lot of opportunities for somebody fresh out of college. So that puts you into a lot of unique circumstances. One of my first jobs was working for an entrepreneur selling wine barrels up and down the East Coast. And basically during the week, I was going to different distilleries and vineyards and wineries. And on the weekends, I was working festivals. <laughs> like oh, right. Italian festival or the Irish festival. And, you know, it was a really unique glimpse into, hey, this is a type of hustle, but I, I really am so far from that these days. It gave me a, a nice eye opener into, you don't have to do things the standard way as everybody else has gone about doing it. I think that has certainly helped me in most of the ways that I've gone about solving problems within my career, much less the choices I've made. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about where you're at now. I know you're with a startup company out in Copenhagen that's focused on this, basically a matchmaking platform for startups and corporates. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I found, especially when I was looking for funding as a startup founder, but also just kind of examining the scene from being more on the inside now, it's really challenging if you go to a large-scale conference or even meetups and you start to try to flip business cards around and network with people. There's only so many meetings that you can have in order to really start fishing out some of the more golden opportunities as opposed to the stuff that might look like diamonds, but turns out it's rocks. Right. So it's one of those things that we provide a curated list of startups for corporations that are interested in this digital transformation and innovation space to start actually having these real conversations and strike deals with these startups in the form of either collaboration, outright mergers and acquisitions, who knows? But the concept is basically we are a discovery mechanism that is based on data that allows you to harness startups for the core sense of corporate innovation or digital transformation. So talk a little bit about kind of how that got started and a little bit about the company being based in Europe. I imagine there's 
a little bit of difference than what's going on. I've seen these platforms pop up here in the US, but what's maybe different going on in, in Europe? I think there's definitely a difference in terms of the willingness to throw cash at things from the United <laughs> States standpoint. Let's just say we're talking about Silicon Valley. People are really open to taking risks. And I think there's a lot of opportunities there and also a lot of money getting lost. And I mean, nothing's more apparent than some of these crazy IPOs and valuations that don't really go the way that I would say most of the founders of these companies probably intended. But the concept is very simple that there are lots of smaller corporations that are 5,000 to 10,000 plus employees that are looking for something in the way of an injection of either technology or a new way of doing business or just an outright solution to a million different problems that they're facing. And they're finding that the opportunities of doing it internally don't really have the same reach, don't have the same abilities that maybe bringing in a startup that's already solved their problem could potentially put in front of them and work. So the concept is, yeah, I think there's a lot of unique differences about a work-life balance within Europe, but specifically within how things are going within, I would say, finding startups to be able to pair with corporations. Nothing like that's really existed out here. So it's kind of like walking into a blue ocean type situation. Yeah. Hey, listeners, I wanted to pause this interview for an exciting new announcement. We are bringing back the Inside Outside Innovation Summit right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mark your calendars for October 20th through the 22nd. Tickets are on sale at theiosummit.com. We are going to have experts from the world of Disney, Facebook, American Express, Nike. All these folks are coming together to talk about innovation, disruption, startups, and the world that we live in today. Check it out at theiosummit.com, and we'll see you in October. It's very similar. I mean, we're based here in the Midwest, and when I talk to startups and corporates, it's a different path for startups here in the Midwest a lot of times, or places outside traditional tech hubs where you have to find these customers first, you have to build out and bootstrap a lot of the times that you may not have to do in, in the tech hubs. And it creates some different dynamics. And I think we're seeing corporations looking to that as well for guidance, for new ideas, for the fact that things are changing in those tech hubs. It's like, I need to understand what's going on in my backyard and can I leverage what I have in my backyard as well. Talk a little bit about how your platform works. What are you seeing in these early days? And maybe a little bit about the history of Valuer. So in terms of the way the platform works, there's a million different ways that you can find startups, right? A, a simple Google search and whatever industry you're in and the word startup, you can find a ton. If that's one direction you want to take, go for it. There are tons of listing sites. So we're all familiar with Angel.co and Crunchbase, but that's not where some of the more interesting startups are really existing. We're talking about within schools and a lot of schools have accelerators or even incubators that are basically government funded in order to propel these students that are potentially PhD level into some really interesting deep tech and find ways to be able to then set them up with funding. But we do a mixture. So we're actually employing a fair amount of agents worldwide to do a bit of a crowdsourcing effect. So we have agents in hundreds of locations that basically are tapped into their network. And whenever we send out a request that basically says, hey, we're putting out what we call a radar to locate a startup that is at this level in terms of a minimum viable product, has something in the way of a pre-seed round, but is not into a round A yet and mm -hmm. works with this technology or this technology, what do you got? 
And the outcome is a lot of really difficult to find startups that normally we would not have uncovered if we went through the traditional methods. So it's this unique stance on trying to crowdsource, but also using a lot of this data collection from the traditional methods to enrich these startups in terms of the information we have about them, to then be able to say, based on all of the data that we've collected, given this area of technology and this background of the founders, we can say with an element of certainty that this is an investable quantity. Can you tell us a case study or an example of somebody who's used the platform or found this match made in heaven? One of the events that we recently finished up was basically a pitch competition that took place during an IoT week in the northern, eastern, western part of Denmark. And basically the idea is we have a customer called Grundfuss, and they are a water pump manufacturer. Not the sexiest thing in the world, but still a very large employer out here and internationally. They're interested in pairing a lot of the technology that they've built proprietarily and start to look at how can they incorporate IoT, so smart valves or things that are able to measure water loss within a system and mm -hmm. potentially timing in terms of when to charge less or more the same way that power grids do for electricity, doing it for water. There's a lot of startups that we pulled out of the woodwork, not only locally, but internationally, and started serving up to these guys. And it's one of those things where it's, wow, we had no idea this stuff was out there. Where mm -hmm. did you find it? That's a great feeling to provide that much value to a customer. But also, it's one of those like holy S moments, you know, where you're like, wow, <laughs> this is really something that people are actually appreciating. And we're consistently seeing that across fintech, across all different types of sectors. And it's exciting to see kind of these founders light up and say, wow, thank you for the opportunity, as well as the clients that are paying for it. So you've been in the industry a while looking at how startups work and how corporate innovation happens. Are there any tips or tricks or opportunities that you've seen that seem to be working better than others? You know, there's one element of our platform that we end up pulling in a lot of experts for validation. It's, it's what I've always called the sniff test. But it's one of those things I think you'll hear a lot of investors consistently say, you know, when you ask them, what do you more focus on? What is your primary focus when you first consider whether or not to invest in a startup? They always answer people. And then if you go, okay, fine, people aside, what are the other two things? People and people. And it's one of those things that it's very difficult to outmaneuver this people focus, but I do genuinely believe that you can apply a lot of tricks in terms of measuring out qualitative data based on either where a founder has come from in terms of the industry experience or how many previous successful exits they've had or what is the makeup of the founding team or how often do they get written about as is on larger publishers like TechCrunch or whatever. These things are all still very solid indicators of whether or not a startup is actually going to be investable. And I don't think people are looking at that in a meaningful way. And I think there's a lot of opportunities there. It's an interesting topic as far as th that whole talent and the skill set. And I think it kind of applies to what you were talking about with your early career, having different types of skill sets to be able to play and be adaptable in different industries. And that we're seeing more and more of industries in general having to find that talent skill set that is more entrepreneurial in mindset and capabilities and adaptability, things along those lines. Are you seeing the same thing? I wish the answer was yes to that, because I definitely can relate more to the founder that has kind of dipped around in a number of different things. I think it's a mix. 
realistically, you have people that if, let's just say it's a, a fintech company, mm -hmm. people want to see founders that have something in the way of a very serious data background or something that's related very heavily to blockchain or finance. And if they just so happen to be an enthusiast and have been working on this for a number of years, sometimes they're not taken as seriously as somebody that came out of an institution with a finance degree or a finance master's. So it is unfortunate that sometimes that eclectic background, which to me kind of equates to that concept of grit. You know, I think we all mm -hmm. remember seeing something in the way of a, a Harvard Business Review article that essentially states grit is a bigger predictor in terms of long-term success over top of whatever background you had in terms of the length of education or your education in terms of whether or not you went to an Ivy League school. Right. I wish more investors, even more corporates, considered that to be a bigger case, but you know, it, it's shifting and it's a slow shift in terms of trying to kind of educate while also saying, look, this is not uh, the most ideal circumstance, but this person has a passion for what they're doing. And I guarantee you they're outworking anybody that's currently focused on this problem within your organization. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful move, but it's very difficult to get people to kind of eat that and realize like, oh, this is good, you know? Right. Absolutely. Part of your platform is tied towards investors or investing in startups. I'd imagine another group of the folks that are using it are internal corporate innovators that are just looking for new ways, new ideas, new people, new projects and such. Are you seeing any trends or differences with how corporations are approaching this startup mindset? For example, you know, five, six, seven years ago, it was pretty popular to kind of reach out into the startup world and host a hackathon or something along those lines. Are you seeing any new trends or new things that seem to be working as far as the tactics of how corporates and startups are partnering? I think there's a big difference between the way that startups and corporates behaved around one another just over the last five years. I can remember back in my early days of being a co-founder and heading out to corporate events that they had an accelerator. It was a company called Capital One. I think everybody's heard of them. And I think there was definitely a divide there in terms of the different language, in terms of the way that we talked about our processes and the things that we were doing internally, and also turning our nose up at these people. It's like, they don't know what it's like to hustle. It's like the bad news bears scowling <laughs> across the field at the guys right. that have the fresh and shiny uniforms. I think there's less of this animosity between the two because there have been a lot of cases where two of these groups have come together and amazing things have sprouted from them. There's an element of education that needs to take place in not only the startup, but obviously in the corporate. Mm -hmm. The idea of you know, one of these middle managers actually coming forward and saying, you know what, I have a problem here. I don't think realistically I can solve it internally. I would like to look at some startups and see what we can do together. That has never been taught throughout the training of any middle manager in most circumstances. I guess I can't say any, but right. the idea is that why do I need to take outside resources? Why do I need to look into this at all? I have a straight and narrow path. So long as I meet my goals for the quarter, I get my bonus for the quarter and for the year, I'm good. Right. But it's not looking for the long-term strategy of how is this going to affect me in the long term? What is stopping me from doing my best life's work at this company tomorrow? If I start looking at other options just beyond, hey, I got a team here. We just got another developer on. How can we get this thing moving? I think it has to be gone to with an open mind, and it's a mixture of a top-to-bottom kind of approach. So the entrepreneur that isn't at the very top that's like, can we try this? Can we do this? But also maybe the director, the partner, or the CEO that says, hey, we have to do this. We have to encourage this type of behavior in terms of integrating these two worlds because we're going to lose in the long run. And I think that's a really difficult 
education system to really yeah. employ. And that's been our biggest challenge is educating clients on top of then saying, here's what you can do with this. I appreciate you taking the time to making tools and, and making those conversations happen on a more regular basis, kind of why we do the podcast, to share those stories and help people navigate that. The last topic I wanted to talk about was, again, you're being in Europe. I'm always interested in finding out what's going on differently in the world of startups and corporate innovation in different parts of the world. So are you seeing any different types of trends or in the startup realm as far as different types of companies that are popping up that you may not be seeing in the States or different technologies or what are some of the things that are driving the European startup scene? I think every area is a little bit different. You have completely different hubs. So Berlin, obviously London, and each of these areas have their own kind of flavor. I would say the, the London startup scene is very fintech driven, but there's a ton of SaaS solutions out there as well. It really just depends on what you're looking for. Realistically, I've found with a lot of the conversations that I still have with some of my friends that are back in the startup space back home is there is a major drift in European tech in general to go after sustainable development goals, the SDGs as they're called out here. It's very similar to CSR back in the States. As I'm saying this, I feel like I sound like one of these stuffy corporate guys, but <laughs> all these abbreviations. The, the corporate social responsibility stuff that came out probably 10, 12 years ago, the whole concept behind it was basically like, yeah, we want to do good. We want to feel good. And it turned out to be a lot of fluff in marketing in many cases. You know, I remember right. seeing a commercial of a little duckling that was covered in oil and they're scrubbing off oil from this little duckling. It's like, didn't you have to cover this thing in oil in order to sell your product? Like, it's this whole thing. I find that people are actually a bit more genuine in terms of their ultimate goals and following something that leads to these 17 different goals. It's solving world hunger, mm -hmm. clean water, and about 16 of these other things. And it's amazing to see larger corporations that are actually shelling out a fair amount of money because there are some incentives and tax breaks for them. But you're seeing a drift in the market from a startup perspective, which is unfortunately half of it is probably people that are like, oh yeah, we save the environment too. We don't use paper. Yeah. you know, And people are kind of attaching themselves to that. But it's seeing the old version of what you thought of as an NGO mixed with somebody that's using a bit more of a technical approach but also wants to make money. And how do you commercialize this do better type thing? And right. I don't think anybody's gotten a full grasp on it, but at least the conversations are happening with such regularity that you can't ignore it. And that's one of those things I just don't see as often back in the States. And it's just maybe for lack of focus, or maybe it's just, hey, this is where the money's at right now. I'm right. not sure. What's interesting, and, and we'll probably have to have back on the show as the world progresses, and we'll check back in on you and see how things are going. Anything else you want to add or if people want to find out more about yourself or, or Valuer, how can they best do that? We're constantly getting regular signups from everybody all over the world. We have a couple of clients in the United States. Feel free if you're listening to this to check out Valuer, V-A-L-U-E-R dot A-I. I would say we probably have a number of interesting solutions for you. So I'd love to chat. And I connect with just about everybody. So if you're interested in seeing some of the stuff that I put out about growth hacks or some of the stuff in terms of a bunch of different thought leadership that I'm doing at some conferences in Europe, feel free to reach out to me. If you just want to find out how to get out here to move out here, I feel like I get <laughs> one of those a week. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm happy to talk to you too. So I think there's one other Taylor Ryan in Denmark. Excellent. Taylor, thanks very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation. Look forward to continuing the conversation. And again, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. 
you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out InsideOutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.